Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Brody. It's Wednesday, April 21st, 2021, and it's over, at least for now. Derek Chauvin found guilty all counts in the murder of George Floyd, but the tragic saga continues and the fallout has begun. Today, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced that the Department of Justice has opened a civil rights investigation into the entire operations at the Minneapolis Police Department. They're going to look at everything from the use of excessive force to training policies and supervision. As for Derek Chauvin, he's going to be behind bars for 40 years unless he wins his case on appeal. So the question now is, could that happen? There are big name legal minds thinking he could be set free on appeal. And hey, memo to Maxine Waters, what in the world were you thinking? More in a moment. And Governor Kristi Noem in South Dakota becomes the latest governor to say no way on those controversial vaccine passports we will explore. Also, Just the News catches up with AOC on the Hill, the streets of the Hill. A closer look at her grand plan to reshape America. It's all about the green. And when we say when we say green, we mean a lot of green as in cash, as in taxpayer money for AOC's utopia. But first to our newsmaker, so much news to get to. Uh, joining me now, someone I've known a long time. Uh, I can confirm he loves Luigi's Restaurant in his hometown of Bakersfield, California. And I've been there with him. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy with us. Leader, great to see you again. Great to see you, David. Uh, look, on the Chauvin verdict, uh, you have Alan Dershowitz. Some other lawyers think that the verdict shouldn't really be overturned on appeal based on people like Maxine Waters and Biden speaking out on the trial before the verdict. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment? Where are you on this? Look, I, I'm not an attorney. Um, I, think, I think justice was served yesterday. I think uh, our judicial system worked. Um, the one thing I do understand, though, what the judge said, what Maxine Waters did was abhorrent. Uh, it's not a place that she should have done something like that. Um, and I would hate to see that some action that she took could overturn this verdict. Yeah. So your censor motion against Maxine Waters, it obviously it, it failed yesterday. I assume that I say obviously because Democrats weren't going to go for it. What message is this sending, do you believe, to Americans, the fact that this, this failed? Well, you know, the Democrats had an ability to condemn those type of actions. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't political. I, I only put in exactly what the judge said, but instead they condoned it. So that hurts the House of Representatives. It, it hurts um, what I, I believe George Floyd's family, and it hurts the idea for violence. I mean, what Maxine Waters did, she believed there was value in violence, and that's just not the case. The justice system let it work. It, it proved it worked right and well, um, and, and now she's put it in jeopardy. Uh Leader McCarthy, the DOJ now looking at the entire Minnesota Police Department. I, I want to get your reaction to Merrick Garland coming out today and saying they're looking into a civil rights uh, investigation into the entire department. Well, I know they've got some challenges there. Um, have them do the investigation. But the one thing I do know, there, there are a lot of good 
men and women who serve in the police department that have a really difficult job. And the last thing they ever want to have is to see a bad officer out there. Um, but a lot of times, some of the laws keep a bad officer in when these good are going out trying to protect and serve the community they live in. For sure. So Democrats in the Biden administration, they love to play the race card. You know, the Jim, we had now have hearings called Jim Crow 2021. Uh, they say there is systemic racism in America. What's your answer to that? Is there? We are not a perfect nation. We're, we strive to be a more perfect nation. Um, and I think if you cannot acknowledge the success and the growth that this nation has had, um, I think that's wrong. Um, and I, I always want to see continual improvement. But the one thing I understand being from the party of Lincoln um, and understanding what we, what we fought for, for that all men are created equal and women, and that conceived in liberty and dedicated that proposition, um, I, I believe we can always improve. But the idea that America is bad is wrong. I, I believe America is exceptional. There are few nations in the world, I don't believe there are any others, that were conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that we are all equal. And that's why we continue and are able to continue to strive for a more perfect union. You know, uh, Leader Joe Biden yesterday talked about the uh, America's march toward racial justice, and they talk about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. But uh, what does that look like to you legislatively, this march toward justice? What would you like to see done in this area specifically? Well, I will tell you, I've tried to work with Karen Bass on this legislation. Unfortunately, in the House, they wouldn't allow Republicans to offer one amendment. And I, I've always believed you should have an open process. In the Senate, you had Tim Scott, who's worked very hard at this. He's watched it his entire life, times that, that he was um, saw injustice for his own personal experience, even in the House and in the Senate. Um, and you had Kamala Harris at the time as a senator filibuster to not even let the bill come up. I think we can find common ground. I think we can solve this problem. I know in the greatness of uh, what this body can do when it works together. And I'm very hopeful that we'll be able to do that. Any sense of what that common ground might be? What's a starting point at all? Or where are we on this exactly? I, I think we're closer than we are further apart. I mean, I think there's opportunities. You want to have all stakeholders in the room. Um, we want to be able to make sure we have justice. We want to make sure that we also have a police department that can protect us in an honest and fair manner. And I think that it's very capable of having to, to be able to do. I, I want to talk about COVID, uh, these vaccine passports. I got to tell you here on the show, uh, leader, we call them vaccine papers because, uh, you know, it comes up with a different connotation when you say, can I see your papers? I mean, that, that harkens back to a, a very dark time in, in world history. We've seen a number of Republican governors actually ban these vaccine passports. Christy Nome, South Dakota, became the latest governor to sign an executive order to ban them. Is, is there an appetite to do something at the federal level here? Uh, if so, what exactly? What can be done? I would hope I would hope we wouldn't have to go to these passports, but you know the Democrats want to continue to control our lives. First with the passports, then they want to do HR one, change how elections are so they can always be elected, go against the will of the people. Then they want to pack the Supreme Court. Then they want to have not a climate our Green New Deal, what it is about control of our lives, of how we can live it, how we can travel. It's more about control than it is anything else, and that's exactly what you're right when people are asking for your papers. But you obviously want this to be done at the state level at this point, because that's, you know, you're obviously a, you're a Republican, darn it. Uh, I believe in the 10th Amendment. <laughs> All right. On D.C. statehood, uh, House Democrats are going to go through uh, with this. What's, what's your main objection on this? Uh, is it because it's unconstitutional or 
Obviously, it's politically uh, problematic, well, too. It's unconstitutional. It's no different than packing the Supreme Court. The only reason the Democrats are doing it is trying to get more electoral votes and more senators, and why they're doing it when they are, because they know they're going to lose the majority. Um, it was never created or should be a state. Uh, if there's anything it should do, it should go back to Maryland uh, from that standpoint, if they want to be within a state. But it's unconstitutional, but Democrats really don't care about the Constitution much anymore, because they think they can the Supreme Court to have a new determination of what the Constitution says. I want to ask you about 2022 uh, and the prospects for taking over the House. Uh, on a, Kind of on the scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that uh, you guys will be back in the majority in 2022? Look, uh, majorities are not given, they're earned, but I, I believe in a 10 we're going to do it. Think mm -hmm. of last time, everybody said we would lose 15 seats in the last election. This is the first time since 1994 not one Republican incumbent lost. We beat 15 Democrats, and every Democrat lost to a Republican woman or a Republican minority. We have expanded our party. You look at the policies of what the Democrats are doing. Um, I think we're going to have a very big night simply because we listen to those that others will not listen to in America. We hear their voice. We speak for them. We rally for them. And most importantly, we will govern for them and all Americans. Yeah. I want to ask you, as we wrap up here, about Joe Biden's mental health. Uh, look, I know it's a t to, to many liberals it's a taboo subject, but I, I know his liberal agenda worries you. But do you wonder who's in charge exactly when it comes to Biden's mental capacity? We even had Texas Senator John Cornyn asking the other day on Twitter, who's in charge over there? What, what's, what do you think's going on? You know, I, I don't know because I've never spoken to President Biden since he's become president. Not once. So I, I could not judge, not one time, nor has he called me, nor have I spoken to him. Now, I request meetings to talk about the border more than a month ago and the crisis that he created. Um, but unfortunately, when the president talks about bipartisanship, that isn't what he means. Yeah. So you believe that Joe Biden gets a failing grade on unity? Uh, in terms of his talk on unity? Oh, by, by far, just his actions. I mean, I've watched presidents in the past, they would have bipartisan meetings. Um, and the challenge is what he talked at the inaugural when I sat there, he said he would have bipartisanship, but there hasn't been one bipartisan angle yet. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, really great to see you again. I'd love to go to Luigi's again with you sometime in Bakersfield. Hey, invite him anytime. Come on back. Bakersfield All right. loves you. <laughs> All right. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much. Kevin McCarthy, uh, and the quote, I believe, of the interview was, Bakersfield loves me. No, that's narcissistic. Anyhow, I'm glad uh, we had the uh, House Minority Leader on. I got to tell you, him, his wife, Judy, uh, did an interview with him and a whole feature profile on him for the Christian Broadcasting Network years ago. Uh, look, uh, he's salt to the earth. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I know some people disagree with his politics on the left. Uh, not shocking, but that's what it is. It's a rough and tumble world. All right, coming up, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Lieutenant Colonel, Alan West, chairman of the Texas Republican Party. We'll talk to him about what's going on in Texas. They're going to leave the union? Back in a month. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, nice to have uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy with us in the first uh, segment of the show. And we just keep the hits coming. Guess who's with us now? Uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, the uh, Texas GOP chairman. Known Alan for a long time. Colonel West, great to see you again. Or actually, he, excuse me, hear you on the phone. Well, it's good to be with you, David. I, I'm happy that you lowered your standards now. You went from the minority leader down to me. <laughs> no, now, stop that. Now, now I, I'm not going to comment on that. Hey, but uh, here's what I do want you to comment on. Let me just ask you about Derek Chauvin and that trial, the verdict. Uh, what, what did you – give me your overall thoughts about what you saw yesterday. Well, I think more than anything else, the uh, the video of him with his knee on the uh, the neck of uh, George Floyd was very damning. But there was so much outside influence, and not to mention the influence of Maxine Waters and what she said. And I think that that has been very disconcerting. I believe that you may see an appeal uh, because of the, the the comments that she made. As a matter of fact, the judge in the case even addressed the comments that she made. So I think that this uh, episode is far from being over. But I would take this a little. A little bit further. I'd like to know what happened to the Capitol Hill police officer that shot the young lady on January the 6th. Uh, in the back. You know, why is it that no one has been brought up on charges for that? As a matter of fact, the Department of Justice has said that there won't be any charges. So we don't even know who shot this unarmed, innocent young lady, a Air Force veteran. And people can argue that she shouldn't have been in the Capitol. But again, think about if the roles were reversed. If she was a young black woman and she had been shot by a police officer, everyone would be commenting on that. Yeah, for sure. And the Derek Chauvin situation, it's unfortunate that kind of one bad apple ruins the whole bunch in the sense that, you know, now all of a sudden in Democrat liberal land, you know, every, every cop is, is no good. And, and, this, and now they've got the DOJ coming out today, Merrick Garland, saying we're going to look at the whole Minnesota Police Department. Well, what do you make of, uh, of concerns about not simply that, but something where Democrats will take this in an even larger direction as it relates to systemic racism in America? Well, that's the collective mentality, and that's part of their ideological agenda is to demonize the uh, law enforcement overall because they continue to go down the path of defunding, getting rid of law enforcement. We've seen that happen here in the state of Texas in Austin where they defunded the police by millions of dollars, and they've seen a 64 percent increase in violent crime. And now the people in Austin are concerned about the safety and security. So the, the Democrats, uh, without a doubt, they're tipping their hand, I think, from a political perspective that's going to end up hurting them. And you're starting to see law enforcement officers not pay attention to the to the unions telling them to support Democrats and Democrat candidates. They're breaking away from that. Yeah, I want to get to uh, Texas issues. Uh, there's a headline. Well, you, you know, you know the deal. Uh, it said Texas GOP chairman slammed after suggesting secession from the United States. And they go on to quote you. Uh, th this is the quote. Uh, this decision will, this is, you're talking about the 2020 election. This decision will have far-reaching ramifications for the future of our constitutional republic. Perhaps law-abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. Uh, I want to get your take on the context of that so you can explain it. And I don't have to listen to the liberal New York Times explain it for me. Well, it's very simple. And first of all, I didn't say anything about secession. And this came after uh, the decision by the Supreme Court where they decided not to listen to the uh, the case that Texas brought forward against 17 other states who had done unconstitutional actions in the uh, 2020 election cycle. And so the words that I use are, comes from the first line of the preamble to the Constitution, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. What's the first thing to form a more perfect union? Establish justice. So 
So I think that the left, when you hear about their national popular vote interstate compact, when 15 blue states came together to undermine the Electoral College, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. And so I don't, I just discard anything that the left says. Uh, I was trying to have an intellectual conversation because where does a state like Texas go when they have to petition their government for redress of grievance against another state, uh, but yet the Supreme Court didn't want to hear their case? So it's important that states that are following the Constitution and abiding by the law, they are strong and they come together. We're starting to see attorney generals doing that and pushing back on Joe Biden and his unconstitutional executive actions and orders. Right. So you don't you're, you're not taking secession seriously like everybody's trying to make it out to be is what you're saying. Well, the, the left always has to try to find a way to put you in a box so that they can demonize, denigrate, and disparage you. And that just uh, emboldens me because I know that <laughs> I'm effective against them if they want to try to target me in such a absurd manner. Right. Let me ask you about Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, what I mean, I know it's a sensitive subject. Republican governor, obviously, he's taken quite a few hits on COVID. He finally kind of said, all right, time to just... Uh, you know, get back to normal. What, what's been your view of Governor Abbott? I, I know it's a, you're the chairman of the Republican Party down there, but uh, he's taken some hits, uh, Colonel West. Well, yeah, absolutely so. I mean, I would have never thought that a Republican governor would make a decision as to who and what is essential in the state of Texas as as far as businesses being forced to shut down. I think right now the big concern that many people have here in the state of Texas is the flood of illegal immigrants that we have coming into the state of Texas being released into our communities. Texans want to see that border secured, and they know that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they have abdicated their constitutional roles, duties, and responsibilities, and they expect our to step up and do something about that. Yeah. What have you thought at all about possibly challenging, uh, maybe running for governor in the primary? Have you thought even thought about it? Well, right now, the most important thing, uh, we're in our legislative session that ends on the 31st of May. We've got eight legislative priorities from the Republican Party of Texas. We want to get those passed. We've got a big issue right now about getting constitutional carry passed. And then the other thing is that uh, just this Monday, we started our municipal level elections, the early voting. And uh, my wife is even running for city council in the city we live in, in Garland. So uh, those are my two focuses right now. So after the municipal elections, after the legislative session, over the end of May. We'll pray about it. We'll ponder that and we'll see what God has in store for me. That's fair enough. And by the way, uh, last question as we wrap up. I, I got a chuckle. Matthew McConaughey, the actor, what is this poll? He's leading double digits or something over Abbott? That made me laugh. What, what do you think of that? <laughs> Well, the University of Texas Tyler poll, I mean, that's not a very trusted yeah. poll. And again, it's not most likely it was registered voters at a pretty high uh, you know, tolerance. I think it's almost 3%. But still, I don't think Texans want a person that has been playing make-believe for most of their lives to be its governor. <laughs> All right, Colonel West, it's always great to, I say see you, but hear you. It's the same thing in the sense that uh, just like uh, hearing your voice. Appreciate you, sir. Thanks so much, David. God bless. All right. Colonel Allen West, uh, known him a long time. And uh, listen, uh, straight up, uh, if you look up the words in the dictionary, he don't mess around. Yeah, Allen West pops up. I can guarantee you that. Uh, he's going to give it to you straight. And look, uh, on possibly running for governor, he gave it to us straight. He's going to work on some priorities now. He'll pray about it and see what happens. And may maybe he'll run. Maybe he won't. But uh, we'll have him back on the show to talk about it. All right. When we come back. Liz Harrington, uh, she's a regular here, editor-in-chief of War Room. We'll talk about AOC's Green New Deal. Olga Volt, in a moment. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. I've got three very dangerous words for you. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, here, here they are. Green New Deal. Yeah. Uh, those are the words. AOC would not call them dangerous words. She would call them her utopia. Uh, we had Nicholas Ballacy, Nicholas Ballacy from JustTheNews.com, uh, caught up with AOC on the mean streets of D.C. after her Green New Deal press conference. Uh, take a look. And speaking of infrastructure and the Green New Deal, you said that the Biden plan doesn't go big enough. Where, where are the areas you want to see an expansion of what Biden's already put out? Well, I mean, we see a, there's a lot of areas that demand a lot of expansion. The problem, I would say, my assessment of the bill is that the aims of this infrastructure bill are great. The, the dollars that they put in don't match the vision that they have advanced. And so if they want to actually advance and do what they say they want to do with this bill, they need to actually fund the ability to do it. And so one example for, you know, one area, for example, is on housing. Um, they've declared a $40 billion investment um, nationwide for all public housing in the United States. $40 billion is what the New York City Housing Authority needs alone. So if they want to actually rectify the the fact that people don't have hot water or the fact that people don't have heat in wintertime, what they actually need to do is use the dollar amount that actually meets that goal, which, which gets to about eight, anywhere between 70 and 100 billion. And then once they actually peg that number, then they, then they can do the thing that they say they want to do. And that is uh, President Alexandria Ocasio. <laughs> Did I say it? I said it's the inside voice. I'm sorry, it's President Joe Biden, but who's he taking his cues from? Uh, let's go to Liz Harrington, editor-in-chief of War Room. Uh, Liz, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Uh, there, there it is, AOC, unplugged. What do you make of some of her comments? Well, kudos to Nick Ballacy for getting that interview. Um, she seems to be stumbling through and not really knowing what she's talking about because she doesn't. Because if you actually dig into the details, she can't be honest and she can't be straightforward about what's in the Green New Deal because it's a radical takeover of this country. It's a bottom-up, top-down, complete overhaul of the United States Constitution to turn us into a socialist Marxist style uh, central planning. That's what the Green New Deal is. I think it's really fascinating though, that you know, she's the one that's driving this argument. They're already implementing, you know, disguised as infrastructure, major points from her plan. But she points to New York where, well, Bill de Blasio, he already has the Green New Deal. They already have public housing and all this great things that they say uh, for New York. And what do they have? They have rat infested hell holes. That's the public housing that you get in New York under this central plan, which is what the Green New Deal is. It doesn't work. Look at California. They already have full control over their grid. What do they get? Rolling blackouts. They have a complete energy disaster. 
The fact is, it doesn't work. And just like it didn't work in the Soviet Union, it's not going to work in the United States of America. But unfortunately, Biden's really taking all the cues from her plan and implementing this in this fake infrastructure bill. And that's exactly what they're going to keep pushing forward. Yeah, we have so many follow-ups, but I want to move on. we got limited time. I want to ask you about uh, this uh, This headline kind of caught our eye about uh, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. Basically, a group dr directly linked to him donated nearly, what, almost $6 million, $5.6 million to the Georgia Secretary of State's office. Hello, Brad Raffensperger. I know that name from 2020. Apparently, he spent that money on the 2020 presidential election. Your take, Liz. These are bribes out in the open. And what do you expect to happen when you're taking millions of dollars from big tech? You're going to do what big tech wants you to do. What did big tech do? They interfered in the election. They censored damning information and news stories about Hunter Biden and more importantly about Joe Biden's direct involvement in these corrupt business deals with the Chinese Communist Party. They censored that information. They called you a conspiracy theorist if you put out that information, and then they put it down the memory hole. Well, just like Zuckerberg took this group and put tens of millions of dollars into all these swing states, all these swing states, coincidentally, I guess, did exactly what big tech wanted them to do, which was install Joe Biden as president by any means necessary. It's no coincidence that Brad Raffensperger then took the same language of big tech and the left and said, oh, that's just misinformation, even though he never disclosed the real information. He never disclosed the real ballots. They never looked at Fulton County. They never looked at the actual ballots. They never looked at the signatures. This was a fraud, and all you have to do is follow the money. It's all out in the, mo in the open, and they bragged about it in Time Magazine. Yeah, are you, uh, how uh, confident are you? You think Raffensperger's in trouble down there in Georgia or jo what Jody Heiss is going to go against him in, setting that, in, that, uh, in that race? They're, all the rhinos in Georgia are in trouble. If you look at what happened over the weekend, these local grassroots people that have been on the sidelines, they've had enough. They've seen their party completely taken over. They've seen their state taken over. They're getting involved. And I mean, you have a situation where Tom Price couldn't even get elected to like a, a non-power uh, position of a local chair uh, because people do not want the establishment. They want real Americans that are actually going to stick up for their country and get to the truth. That's all we ever wanted was real votes, real accountability. So I think Raffensperger, Kemp, all of those rhinos, they're going to be out of a job because the people have had enough. Yeah, 30 seconds or so as a follow-up. So Georgia being the ground zero in all of this election integrity effort, Arizona, other places for sure, all across Michigan, I can go on, Wisconsin. But you're saying Georgia clearly ground zero, it seems. Definitely. They already, you know, did some fixes, even though they didn't get rid of the voting machines. They didn't really quite go far enough. But they did do a first step with a lot of those great Republicans in the state legislature and getting some accountability over these mail-in ballots that were used to stuff the ballot box. And definitely keep your eye on Maricopa County. 2.1 million ballots that are being moved today, they're going to be looked at. And as long as there's no funny business, if we have a true correct audit, I think you're going to see what all those companies, what big tech, what the Democrats, what the Rhino Republicans don't want you to see that President Trump won that state and he won many others as well. All right. Liz Harrington, Editor-in-Chief War Room, great to see you again on the show. Thanks so much.
Thank you. All right. And uh, by the way, what she's talking about, guess what? Jack Dorsey and the boys at Twitter, and uh, they're, they're not going to want to tolerate, you know, uh, 2020 election stuff uh, like that. Uh, but you can go to Parler, you can go to uh, Rumble, JustTheNews.com has lots of articles about it. And so do we here on the show. Back in a moment with Rick Green. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, Derek Chauvin, guilty on all counts. Uh, justice, come on, folks. Uh, justice served in the sense that uh, he was on George Floyd's neck for, oh my gosh, how long? You know how long. Uh, so obviously uh, there's that. Uh, but then there's the legal issue as it relates to did he technically get a fair trial? Let's talk about that issue with Rick Green, founder of PatriotAcademy.com and America's Constitution coach, a regular on this show. Rick, great to see you, sir. Hey, good to be at the water cooler. David, good to be back with you, man. All right. So talk to me about uh, the Chauvin trial. I mean, Maxine Waters, I think, stepped in it clearly. Uh, Even the judge said that. What about the appeal process here? What's your sense about whether or not Chauvin did indeed get a fair trial? Well, there's going to be huge questions about that. I I would even step back and and, and say, listen, I actually agree with some on the left that have said uh, with this trial, America has been on trial. Unfortunately, the verdict was in months ago. Uh, We basically said that the rule of law, equal justice, blind justice, that those things don't matter much anymore. The narrative is that Derek Chauvin was a racist that committed a murder and that most police officers are the same. That is a wrong narrative. It's a lie. Uh, First of all, there's been no evidence that any of this had anything to do with race. Zero evidence of that. And to perpetrate this lie on the police of the United States of America, I think, is so wrong. 40 million interactions with Americans police officers have every year. Uh, The restraint that they show every time they have to walk up to a car or walk up to a door and their life is put in danger is incredible. How how well they control themselves and how few times we have an, an accident of any kind or a wrong decision by a police officer. It happens so rare when you look at all of those interactions. So I just want to start there because in many ways, the major media, not you, I know, and not just the news, but the major media is trying to put a pox on all houses, say all police officers are bad, defund the police. The mayor of Minneapolis and his absolute um, irresponsible statements, even before the jury came out, by saying that uh, no matter what the jury does, that, that this man died at the hands of Minneapolis police. Look, Jacob Fry. Frey is responsible for the riots across the country because he gave up that police station a year ago and said, let let them burn it, uh, which told thugs across the nation it was okay to riot. I know I'm going down too many rabbit holes here, but, but I just think it's very important to get the narrative right. When there is police brutality, we should drop the hammer, no doubt about it. But it is so incredibly rare and Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and the mayor of, uh, of Minnesota and Jacob Frey, they want to blame all police officers, defund the police. It's wrong. It's dangerous to all communities in America. And I think we have to start there. So are, are you and I co- uh, uh, copacetic on this? When I say co- are, are we simpatico as it relates to being able to put a, a line here? In other words, there's Derek Chauvin, what he did to George Floyd. We've all seen the video. And, uh, you know, there, there's a guilty issue. You know, there's a guilty verdict there. But then there's the other issue as it relates to fair trial and whether or not, uh, you know, you're just in the indictment of all police officers across America. Yeah, absolutely. Look, man, I got a brother-in-law that's a sergeant in Grand Prairie. I've talked to a lot of police officers about, you know, whether or not Chauvin did this right or wrong. Some police officers say he did exactly what he was trained to do. Others say, no, he misapplied. It was too long. He should have gotten up a lot sooner. I personally, last year when I first saw the video, came out and said, this is wrong. It's evil. This guy ought to be prosecuted. Absolutely. Then, of course, we all learned later 
that that you know George Floyd you know, was dying from a fentanyl overdose, not from the knee. Um, on so it's it's you know that part is difficult, and I leave that up to the jury to decide ultimately what happened. I do think it's ridiculous to say that it was murder, second degree or third degree murder. It was manslaughter if in fact the jury found that to be the case. Uh, but again, it's you know the facts haven't really mattered that much here. Uh, this has been a trial by mob, trial by media, rather than trial by jury. But That's my concern. It doesn't matter what the jury came out with. These people are not satisfied. We could hang Derek Chauvin at high noon in George Floyd Square, and these people would not be happy. They've already said that, that they're not done. This is just the beginning. That's right. the problem I have. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Dave. Well, I was going to say, so how does he get a fair, how does someone like that get a fair trial then? I mean, if, if this video is being seen by everybody around the world in America, I mean, is it not a fair trial just, to, just from the very beginning? The jury is, what, tainted to begin with? Well, no, I, I do think there was a possibility of a fair trial. Absolutely, change of venue should have happened. Absolutely, they should have been sequestered uh, to allow them to be the jury to be influenced by people like Maxine Waters, by the president of the United States, basically requesting a guilty verdict here. All of those things put a thumb on the scale. So instead of getting that blind justice, instead of getting that equal justice uh, type of a trial, we got, in my opinion, a, a tainted situation here. And it, and it actually makes it harder to get actual justice because now you run the risk of, of uh, losing that guilty verdict on appeal because of all of these things. So look, it's it's been a, a messed up situation from the beginning, thanks to the politicians weighing in when they should not have done so the, the, the yeah. way that they did. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really concerned about, look at what the Michigan Attorney General came out and did. I mean, he comes out and runs this long laundry list of names, acting like these were unjustified shootings, when actually most of the names that he listed were people trying to kill a police officer. And so we just got to slow down. I've mentioned this on your show before, the MLK rule, right out of his letter from Birmingham jail, the first step is to stop, investigate the facts, make sure there's an injustice, and then make sure that you are negotiating, then make sure there's purification of yourself, then protest. What we have right now is immediate protest. As soon as someone is shot by a police officer, we got rioting in the streets. Instead of waiting and saying, wait a minute, let's get the facts, let's make sure this was a, an unjustified or a justified shooting. Mm -hmm. And the way that everybody's responding to this trial, they're just gonna encourage more and more mob violence and mob trial instead of good fair trial by a jury. Right. So, Rick, I've got about a minute left. I want to get your take on this Ron DeSantis bill, this anti-rioting bill. It's a pretty tough anti-rioting bill. Uh, I want to get your take on it because there are protests all around the country at times, uh, in the past, and but be some in the future. This, this is a big deal in Florida. It is, and, and thank God for leadership. I mean, Ron DeSantis continues to hit it out of the park with reasoned, measured, constitutional responses to what's going on. Nobody's claiming that there aren't problems. There's not, you know, individual racism in America, but this is very different from 50 years ago. America's made so much progress. They're trying to take us backwards and lead us back into race division. Ron DeSantis is saying, hey, the rule of law matters. The Constitution matters. If you want to protest, great, but you're going to do it peaceably. Um, that's really what he's calling on. I, I Frankly, every governor in America should agree with that and say that we're going to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Rick Green, great to have you on the show again. Uh, really enjoy all, all of our conversations. And that, that's on the record. I said it on live television. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm going to record it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick. I'm going to record it, too, because I like to watch myself after the show, because why not? It's narcissistic. And then I, you, you should see me. I actually watch the show sometimes later in the evening. And then my family's like, why are you watching the show? You did the show. Why do you have to watch yourself again? Anyhow, so therapy. That's all I have to say. Uh, all right. Uh, when we come back, wh what else do we have? Oh, guess what? We have the last sip 
So is it is it President Biden or is it President Kamala Harris? There was a weird situation yesterday uh, when they both took to the podium and uh, maybe they want to change the graphic at ABC News. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. Look, uh, who's in charge of the White House? We've asked that question uh, many a time uh, here on the water cooler. As a matter of fact, Senator John Cornyn, I think, tweeted a couple of weeks ago. He also said who's in charge. And now there's this this rush, not by the mainstream media, by the way, sorry, the liberal media, but there's a rush to kind of get these documents. The White House is being pressed to get these mental health documents uh, in front of the media because we want to see the the, uh, the documents. I mean, we want to see, uh, you know, how is Joe Biden holding up? Because, look, he, he has called President, or excuse me, <laughs> he's called Vice President uh, Harris, President Harris. Remember that? that? That was interesting. And then he's done all sorts of things, uh, kind of making her look like she's president. And you know what? The other day after the Derek Chauvin trial, look at this. Uh, wait, let's read that a little closer. The president reacts, and there's Kamala Harris speaking. President Biden speaks on the Chauvin trial. No, no, it's not President Biden speaking. It's Vice President Harris, or is it President Harris? Uh, whoops, uh, bad Chiron. Uh, you got to change it. Look, uh, this just in, Vice President Harris is speaking, not President Biden, though President Biden looks a bit disinterested. Uh, I'm not saying he's not disinterested in the uh, Derek Chauvin stuff, but uh, is he losing his train of thought? I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Anyhow, it was interesting that he had uh, Vice President Harris speak first, but maybe he thought she was President Harris, and maybe that's why he's like, no, no, please go first. You're the president. Uh, but anyhow, so there it is. Uh, the, the president reacts. And uh, look, I, you know, I, we kind of kid around a little bit, but it's, it's not a laughing matter at all. Who is in charge? Let's see the mental documents uh, when it comes to Joe Biden. And uh, speaking of mentality, how about the liberal mentality uh, of Joe Biden during these first, what is it, almost 100 days now? I mean, my goodness, the, the liberal agenda has gone crazy here. Now, uh, conservatives warned other conservatives during the 2020 election that this was all coming. And there were a lot of uh, center-right conservatives who said, oh, no, no, you know, Biden's talking unity. He's a center-right guy. He's not going to do all that crazy stuff. Hey, folks, he's doing the crazy stuff. He's doing the crazy stuff. And one last thing about all of the crazy stuff, it all gets filtered through the legislative filibuster. In other words, they've done budget reconciliation uh, on the first, the stimulus bill. They're going to do budget reconciliation on the Jobs Act. But what about D.C. statehood? What about packing the courts? What about H.R. 1? Uh, what about the Equality Act? All of it happens if they change the legislative filibuster to 50 votes instead of 60. And if you don't think they want to do that, you'd be crazy. I'm just going to say, I'll say it for, for effect again. You'd be crazy if you don't think they're going to do it. They want to do it. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. What a show. Kevin McCarthy, Colonel Allen West. I mean, talk about testosterone. Anyhow, uh, Anna Perez, our Real America's Voice correspondent, joins us. Uh, no testosterone here. <laughs> Did I really just say that? I'm sorry. I, I would say we're on live television. You have to start that again. I'm not going to start again. Look, this is the Water Cooler. This is the Water Cooler. We don't start again. No, we don't. Oh, no, we don't start again. Oh, no. Which means that's dangerous for America. All right. Uh, what's Governor Ducey doing out there in Arizona? Yeah, so right now, Doug Ducey just declared a state of emergency in Arizona. Arizona um, in response to what's happening at the border. He sent 250 National Guard troops to the border communities there. And um, what's interesting about this story is, although he criticized the Biden administration for, you know, what he called divorcing themselves from reality, 
Um, he's also getting a lot of support from the Demo two Democratic st uh, senators there, Mark Kelly and mm. Kirsten Sinema. Hmm. So, you know, it's nice to see that they're not playing the game of politics, that mm -hmm. they're seeing this problem and they're addressing it, and they're working together, you know, across the aisles. So I think it's, it's good that they're doing this, but at the same time, it goes to show, you know, the lack of attention that the Biden administration is paying attention to this very serious issue. Yeah, that's interesting. And Kirsten Cinema, obviously, kind of center. Well, she's left, okay, but she's more a little bit more center left. So, I mean, this has always been the Democrat struggle. You know, this this uh, this idea of okay, let's be honest. You know, the liberal Democrats they want them all. You know, all the illegal immigrants in, but at the same time, they have to figure out the border security part. They've never want to talk about border security. So this this seems like at least the Democrats here seem to be saying we we got to figure this out somehow. This is our state after all. Right, and it's been interesting seeing the Biden administration try to grapple with that because today at the press briefing um, Jen Psaki actually addressed a question in relation to that someone asked about the refugee cap mm -hmm. and she talked about how you know the reporter asked well why has he been flip-flopping so much on this and she said oh no it's going to be 125,000 that we're going to reach in the next fiscal year so it sounds like she's going back to the number 125,000 um, and I think the reason why is because she's having a, or the administration's having a hard time grappling with, you know, the Kirsten Cinemas who do want to solve this problem in their party, mm -hmm. but then also the far left. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, which side they ultimately choose because it seems like they're going back and forth. But, you know, hopefully we'll see more working across the aisles in regards to this issue in particular. Well, that would be nice. I mean, there was right. a time in Washington where they did try to to do something, but then it just all fell Once apart. upon a time. Once upon a time, dot, dot, dot. The story time <laughs> with Anna Perez, everybody. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, tomorrow on the show, I don't know. Madison, who's on the show tomorrow? Oh, I know. Pastor Brian Gibson is, is on the show tomorrow. Also, guess what? Jonathan Swan from Axios will be here. I've known Jonathan a while. Hey, i got to talk to him about the media. Uh, i got a few questions. Anyhow, uh, see you tomorrow. And he'll be here, too. See you then.